Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Astrology Now podcast. My name is Christine Rodriguez, and I hope that you were not hoping to seek refuge in this podcast to escape Valentine's Day (laughs) because we are talking all about love and romance, compatibility, and how you can see that utilizing Vedic astrology. And so please keep in mind, I am a Vedic sidereal astrologer. There's tons of information on the internet on the difference between Western and Vedic astrology. I also want to say, if you have not yet listened to my segment on house rulers and what that even means, you might want to pause this podcast and go back and listen. At the end of the podcast, I am going to be referring to house rulers. And so it may be helpful to have a good understanding of what that means. Um, What else? If you are driving, if you're on the move, if you're taking a walk, if you want to listen to this podcast twice, then that's fine. If you don't, again, you may want to pause this podcast and go home, get nice and cozy and prepare yourself because it's going to be a little bit longer and it's going to be very helpful to have two charts in front of you to look at, to follow along. Um, Even if you are not in a relationship, you can utilize the techniques that I'm going to be talking about today with charts of your friends, charts of your family members, um, children. You can utilize this for anyone, and we'll get into that a little bit more. If you are seated, just take a moment to get cozy. Take a moment to ground and, you know, prepare, make sure you have a notepad. I do recommend having charts in front of you so that you have a visual to follow along with. I'm going to be describing things as well as I can utilizing my voice and no visuals. And so it's helpful to have visuals for this. Okay. Or just having a really good memory and having charts memorized that, you know, works too. And Also, another precaution that I want to talk about is that I am going to be discussing one element to consider when assessing compatibility. Now, this is a very important element. I would say it's one of the most important ways to assess compatibility, in my experience. Um, But it's not the only thing to consider. If I was going to talk about all of the possible ways to consider compatibility, it would take eons and it's well beyond my knowledge bank. And so I'm going to share the most typical and the most reliable ways to assess compatibility from what I've noticed. Some of you who are really experienced in astrology may think that I'm going to discuss the D9 chart. And for those of you who don't know what that is, the D9 chart is a divisional Navamsha chart. It's known as the chart of the spouse. If you pull it up, it has spouse in parentheses. It shows the true dignity of your planets over time, and it can also give information about your spouse or partner. I'm not going to be discussing the D9 chart today. I'm recording this podcast with the intention of it being accessible for everyone listening, and having reliable divisional charts is not super easy. If you have a program, obviously it's easy. I don't think the majority of people have access or even know what that is. So we're only going to be utilizing the natal birth chart. And so we're going to discuss the art of synastry. And then after we talk about synastry, we'll talk a little bit about Venus, the karka of relationship. 
karka means significator of, and the moon. Um, and then we'll talk about the seventh house a little bit. And so let's get in. I'm excited. Okay. So sinistry. Sinistry is the art of compiling two charts, synthesizing two charts to see what the combined energy of two charts is going to look like. And so you can do this by overlapping one chart on top of the other. And so by doing this, you're looking at which planets are directly interacting with one another and what energy, what flavor that's going to create in the dynamic between two people. And so this can be really good depending on the planets that are combining, or it can be really negative. And so when you are utilizing synastry, you're not overlapping the chart house for house. You're overlapping the chart sign for sign. And so let's say you are a Capricorn rising and you have Jupiter in the seventh house. So you're Capricorn rising and you have Jupiter in the sign of Cancer. If your partner is a Cancer rising, when you're using synastry, you'll overlap Jupiter onto their rising sign, not into Capricorn. Does that make sense? So you're not overlapping the houses. You're saying, okay, they have Jupiter in the sign of Cancer. It's going to stay in the sign of Cancer when you superimpose it into your partner's house. So your partner will now have Jupiter in the first house. And so that's how you begin utilizing synastry. When you see planets overlapping, that means that there's going to be connection created in the relationship. There have been, it's very rare, I have seen couples who have absolutely no planets overlapping. I think like Oprah Winfrey and her partner, but it's <laughs> very rare. The majority of the time you will see couples whose planets overlap in some way. When the planets are overlapping in the same sign, it's creating connection and understanding and it's activating certain elements in the other person. It's like flipping a switch on. So for example, if somebody has Venus in the sign of Scorpio and then you look at their partner's chart and they have moon in the sign of Scorpio, I'm going to overlap person A's Venus onto person B's moon. And by doing that, that means that the Venusian energy in person A is getting activated, and it means the lunar energy in person B is being activated, and those two energies are going to combine. And so it is exactly what it sounds like. The moon is the soft, sweet nature of our mind. Venus is love, compassion, um, or not compassion, excuse me, love, romance, physical attraction. It's going to bring a really sweet nature. To that relationship. And so we're going to talk about that a little bit more. But before moving forward, I just really want you all to understand that if you and your partner have any planets in the same sign, Saturn and Leo, Jupiter and Leo, Moon and Leo, Rahu and Leo, any planets in the same sign, that's going to create a chemical reaction. 
Sometimes in astrology, it's referred to as the glue. When you see planets mixing in the same sign, it's like creating an adhesive between two people. And that adhesive can be really positive and harmonious. It could also be a little bit triggering and create some conflict. And in order to evaluate that, you want to see which house this is happening in as well. You do want to consider the house. And you also want to consider which planets are merging. And so unfortunately on this podcast, I don't have enough time to talk about every single house combination and I don't have time to talk about every single planetary combination, but because Venus is the karka for relationship, I'm going to talk about Venus in synastry and I'm going to talk about the moon because the moon is our mind. And so Venus gets us going. Venus is the energy where we see someone from across the room and we're like, damn, that person is a 10. (laughs) That's Venus. Okay. But then when we go over and we talk to them and we start assessing whether or not this relationship could work, that's the moon. And then we connect more on an emotional level. And then after we connect on an emotional level, maybe Venus sweeps in again and creates maybe a short romance, depending on what's going on, or a longer romance or relationship. And so we're going to look at moon in sinistry and Venus in sinistry. So you may pull up your partner's chart and there are no planets that overlap Venus or moon. So maybe you have Venus in Libra and your partner has no planets in Libra. Maybe you have moon in Aquarius and your partner has no planets in Aquarius. That doesn't mean that the relationship is doomed by any means, okay? Look at the other planets in the other signs and see if any planets at all overlap. So just take a look at that. And if that's the case, unfortunately, this podcast will will be informative, so you can still utilize it in the future when analyzing charts. But um, in this podcast, we are going to be discussing the moon and Venus. So let's get started. Let's say you have the moon in Leo and your partner is a Leo rising. That means when we use synastry, we're going to bring your moon into your partner's first house. And so this is very positive. If you have the same moon sign as your partner's rising or vice versa, it brings a natural understanding to the relationship. It's going to feel like you can really know this person. You understand their basic nature. And because of that, you can relax into the relationship and you can really feel like you can trust this person. If you have Venus, or excuse me, if you have the moon in the same sign that your partner's moon is in. So you guys have the same moon sign. This is going to give a really strong emotional connection. You know how to be there for one another on an emotional level. The way you process emotions is going to be very similar. And the way that you can communicate about those emotions is going to be similar. If you have the moon in the same sign as your partner's sun, This is really powerful. When the planets move over one another, they're activating certain energies within us. 
And again, it could be good or it could be negative. This combination is very powerful. It brings an appreciation of the other's power to the relationship. It brings a deep understanding and an empathy. Um, The person who has the sun is probably going to find a lot of emotional stability through the person who has the moon. And the person who has the moon is going to feel a lot of inspiration to the person who has the sun. So this is a really powerful dynamic. If you have the moon in the same sign that your partner has a Mars in. So I've heard that this combination is bad. Um, When I've been studying with other teachers, I've heard historically that it can be negative if you have the same moon sign that your partner's Mars is in. So let's say your partner has Mars in Libra and you have moon in Libra. I've pulled up many, many charts of celebrities, and I've actually seen this quite a bit. And I actually, within charts that I've done readings for, I've seen this quite a bit as well. It seems to bring a lot of passion to the relationship of an energetic quality. It can bring frequent bickering, but I haven't seen it be something that destroys the relationship, especially if other planets are there. If it's just Moon and just Mars, maybe that could bring a little bit more attention. But if other planets are involved, so let's say maybe someone has Moon, uh, Venus in the same sign, and then their partner has Mars in that sign. So you have Moon and Venus in Aries, and your partner has Mars in Aries. That may soften it a bit. So that's something to consider. If you have moon in the same sign that your partner's Mercury is in, so your moon is in the sign of Aquarius and your partner's Mercury is in the same sign of Aquarius, this is going to bring a really friendly and fun nature to the relationship, a lot of communication. Um, You're going to really feel like you can connect with this person like a friend and you guys can do things together that feel um, really connecting. The one thing with this combination is that the person with Mercury may have a hard time listening to the person with Moon about their emotions. They, you know, they may think, can you please be more concise? Can you please be more specific? (laughs) Let me help you find words for what you're trying to say. And the person with the Moon may feel, you know, just like they're just wanting to express their emotion. And then the Mercury may be too analytical. That's a possibility. It's overall a really good combination. If you have moon in the same sign that your person's Jupiter is in, so let's say your moon is in Sagittarius and your partner's Jupiter is in Sagittarius, this can bring a really good optimism to the relationship. It can bring a little bit of an idealistic tendency, but overall it's going to feel like a good support, overall optimistic, and the person who has the Jupiter may take on a teacher role at times, and they may be able to share a lot of information with the person who has the moon. If that's moon and Saturn, so let's say your moon is in the sign of Capricorn and your partner's Saturn is in the sign of Capricorn. When we overlap the chart, Saturn and Capricorn or Saturn and the moon are going to be together. So this can bring a lot of longevity to the relationship. There's definitely going to be some structure 
and discipline, the person with Saturn may be a little bit restrictive with their emotions. And so the moon may feel a little bit dry sometimes. They may have to really work to get the emotions out of the Saturn person, depending on the chart holistically. This is one asset aspect. Um, and But overall, it is a good relationship, especially for being practical. If, (laughs) Rahu and Ketu, these are really powerful connectors. And so as I've been talking about, if you have plant, if you have any planets in the same sign as your partner and same, you know, signs, this brings connection. It's turning on certain energies within the other person. I've seen Rahu and Ketu play a role in long-term relationships very significantly. When I pull up tons of charts of, you know, long-term relationships, Rahu and Ketu have some sort of significance. Rahu and Ketu show past life karma. It shows what we're supposed to fulfill in this life, what lessons we're supposed to learn, or what lessons we've learned already. If the moon is with Rahu, if your moon is in Aries and your partner's Rahu is in Aries, it's going to feel kind of insatiable in a way. There's going to be a really strong connection. Um, You're going to feel like this person has information that you want to know. They may press your buttons. They may trigger you in some way. And triggers are an opportunity to learn about ourselves. And so this is what it's all about, right? When our partner's planets come over ours, a lot of the time it can be triggering. It brings things up for us. But that's the opportunity to do personal work. And when we, you know, take time to learn about ourselves, to do the personal work, um, to take ownership of our actions, to not play the victim, we become a better person and then therefore a better partner. And so each relationship is an opportunity to learn and grow as an individual and then learn and grow as a potential partner, either for this person or for somebody else. And so Rahu and Ketu bring in really powerful lessons, really powerful dynamic. It can truly hold the relationship together. Um, But this Rahu, it can bring an element of confusion as well. And so the person with the moon may have mixed feelings. Um, They may even feel a little bit obsessive. Even the person with the Rahu, like this can create a little bit of an obsessive nature or a neurotic nature. But I have seen this in long-lasting relationships as well. If you have K2 in the moon, this is another one I've seen a lot in long-lasting relationships. It can bring this feeling as if you've known the person before. Like you see this person and you feel like you've known them before. It's going to be very comforting. The person with the moon is going to help the person with K2 really focus and direct their attention. Um, It may spiritualize the relationship. You may be able to connect in a really spiritual way. It can also create um, a little bit of 
an emotional drain. It can. The person with the moon may feel like they need more emotionally from the K2 person. And the K2 person may be a little bit oblivious to that. So if your moon is in the same sign as your partner's K2, just, you know, utilizing spirituality. K2 and Rahu love it when people take time to do their personal work. That is what they're here to do. Rahu and K2 are in our lives to show us what karma we're supposed to complete in this lifetime. And so whatever relationship we're having with this person, we know that it's karmic. Okay. What can we learn and how can we grow and how can we be a better individual? It's not necessarily about the relationship. It's about developing your soul. I know that's not as much fun to hear, but relationships, that's what it's all about. We're not here necessarily to have relationship. We're here to develop our soul. Um, And relationships are extremely compelling. You know, like it's absolutely a really good way to ensure that people develop (laughs) because we're willing to stay in relationship. We have this beautiful being and this beautiful sensation when we're with them that we're willing to put in the work. We're willing to reflect on ourselves and um, take ownership for ourselves and look at our own stuff that we need to resolve. And if we're willing to do that work, we're going to we're going to reap the benefit of it for sure um but it is all about the soul's development not necessarily about the relationship but the more personal work you do the better the relationships are going to be and that's just like a mathematical fact if someone is willing to become a better individual every single relationship they have in their life is going to be better and every single relationship is an opportunity to grow So it's this beautiful symbiotic relationship. It's just going to take patience and humility and practice. So let's move on to Venus. So if your Venus is in the same sign as any of your partner's planets, this is going to be really positive. Venus does very well when it's with its same sign. This is something that I've noticed. So if you have Venus in Libra, If your partner's Venus is also in Libra, this creates a really strong connection. Um, I've seen this do very well. Venus in Gemini meets another Venus in Gemini. They're going to just understand the way that the other views relationship. It's going to feel really natural and really fiery. There's going to be a strong physical attraction, a strong chemistry. If it's opposite, If your Venus is in the opposite sign, so let's say your Venus is in Aries and your partner's Venus is in Libra, I've seen that this creates a really good confidant, someone who can mentor you in a sense. When you come together and you talk or confide in one another, you can offer each other mutually like wisdom where you're like, huh, I never thought of it that way, but you're absolutely right. Thank you so much. (laughs) So that's also really powerful for even a student-teacher relationship. And I've seen that work with Jupiter as well. Jupiter is the karka for husband in the female's chart. And so you also want to consider Jupiter, which we're going to talk about a little bit later. But if you see Jupiter and Venus in opposite signs, it creates a really powerful confidant someone who can help you along this path in a really strong way. So let's talk about Venus in Sinistry. 
So Venus is that carnal attraction. Like we see someone from across the room, we want to be with them. And it's also how we approach romance. And so we already discussed Venus and Venus. It's super powerful, super sexy, you know. If you have Venus as the same rising sign, so let's say you're partner's Venus is in Cancer and you're Cancer rising. Similar to the moon, this is really positive. There's going to be a natural love, a natural affection. It's going to feel really sweet. This is very good for a romantic relationship. If you have, we covered Venus and the moon. If you have Venus and the sun, This gives a powerful appreciation for the other's power and creativity. So this can almost create like a power couple. It creates this just really powerful respect for one another, especially in terms of vitality, strength, creativity. It's a really, really positive uh, connection that gets created. If you have Venus in the same Mars sign, this is powerful for sexuality. If you have the same Venus and Mars sign, so let's say your Venus is in the sign of Pisces and your partner's Mars is in the sign of Pisces, when you utilize synastry, you're overlapping the signs. So Mars and Venus become conjunct when we're overlapping the charts, this creates a ton of sexuality. Um, So let's say your Venus is in Leo, your partner's Mars is in Leo. I'm actually thinking of some of my friends right now who have this. Um, It creates a really powerful physical attraction, a very powerful sexual chemistry. It can cause so much passion that there are some nitpicking or arguments, but the attraction and sexuality is definitely going to trump that. Um, So that's something to look out for as well. If you have Mercury and Venus, so your Venus is in, let's say, who haven't I spoken about yet? Um, Virgo. Let's say your Venus is in Virgo and your partner's Mercury is in Virgo. So your partner is a chatterbox. (laughs) They've got an exalted Mercury. You two are going to be able to connect in a really powerful way verbally. So it's going to feel like a buddy. It's going to feel like a friend. Whenever Mercury is involved, it brings this really friendly, communicative nature. And so when Venus and Mercury come into the same sign, it develops this really friendly nature and it's going to activate even maybe sweetness of speech between you two. If you have Jupiter and Venus in the same sign, so let's say Jupiter is in, I don't want to leave any of the signs out, Libra. Jupiter is in Libra and then Venus is in Libra. So your Venus is in Libra and your partner's Jupiter is in Libra. This brings a really big optimistic attitude to the relationship. It may bring overly optimistic attitudes. So it's really important to look at the reality of the relationship and be practical. Um, But it can bring a lot of generosity, a lot of optimism, a lot of natural love, and um, just an overall positive activation there. 
Venus and Venus, we discussed, very compatible, very relatable, lots of sexual attraction. Venus and Saturn. This is interesting. So Venus and Saturn, let's say your Saturn is in Capricorn and your partner's Venus is in Capricorn. It can show a lot of realistic attitude towards the relationship, a lot of stability and structure and consistency because that's what Saturn does. Saturn brings longevity. If you see Saturn connection, it can bring longevity, even Saturn aspect because in synastry, you want to consider the planetary aspects as well. So Saturn aspect, Saturn connection can bring a lot of longevity. This can also bring BDSM. So Saturn and Venus, rather it be connected in a natal chart or connected through synastry, it can bring a little bit less of a traditional way of approaching sex, believe it or not. Something strange. So I like to rock climb. I've got Venus in uh, Aries. And I have Saturn in Capricorn. I've noticed that the people who I connect with to climb with either have Saturn on my Venus or my Venus is on their Saturn. And we're finding pleasure in something that is also a little bit painful. Like <laughs> Rock climbing isn't the most comfortable thing in the world, and yet we love it. It's so strange. <laughs> And I just wanted to share that with you. So it may not manifest exactly as BDSM, but there may be something about the relationship where you find pleasure and discomfort in some way. So maybe you do extreme sports together or you um, take long hikes or something like that. So just watch out for it. And then discussing the nodes, Rahu and Ketu. This is very powerful. Once again, this shows karma. Rahu and Ketu generally are deliverers of karma. Past life, what we're supposed to learn in this life. If you have Rahu in the same sign that your partner's Venus is in or vice versa, this creates a lot of attraction. Very, very strong attraction. It can create really you know, it can really hold people together because there's this mutual insatiable sensation where you're with this person and you can't seem to get enough of them. And that can go both ways. Um, it can create a little bit of confusion. So there may be something about the other person that makes you feel uncomfortable. So even though you really love being with this person, you're highly attractive to them, there may be something about them that makes you feel like you can't fully relax. And that's especially for the person with Venus. So if you have the Venus in, let's say, Gemini, and your partner's Rahu is in Gemini, you're going to be the one that may feel like there's something that you need to figure out before you can relax. This doesn't happen all the time. Um, there's definitely going to be an attraction there. But something to think about and watch out for. If you have Venus in, let's say, Taurus. Oh my goodness, I haven't talked about Taurus. Let's say you have Venus in Taurus and your partner's K2 is in Taurus. This is like, again, Rahu and K2 are like past life karma that you're resolving. So if you have K2 in the same sign that your partner's Venus is in, it shows 
resolving past relationship stuff. You're in this life to resolve whatever karma you created in a past life with this person in this life. It can bring some fetish up in the relationship. It may also feel spiritualizing. Like when you are with this person, you feel that they activate some type of spirituality within you activate something on a spiritual plane and vice versa. This can be very, very powerful for connecting in a spiritual way. And so if I didn't drive the point home, the nodes with moon or Venus in synastry. So if you're overlapping you and your partner's chart in either one of your Rahu and Ketu or on either one of your Venus or moon, it's extremely karmic and it's an excellent opportunity to grow with the relationship and even though this may sound triggering, when I pull up a lot of charts of long-lasting relationship, there's generally a Rahu-K2 connection, specifically K2 and Venus. Um, it's, it's actually very surprising. When I bring up the charts of long-lasting relationships in Hollywood, there is a connection between K2 and Venus a lot of the time, um, but it's really just the nodal axis in general. So if you see a connection between Rahu and Ketu with planets in the chart, that does generally indicate um, an activation and just something that really keeps the relationship together. So that's just something to consider. And again, if your Rahu, or excuse me, if your Venus or Moon don't connect with any planets in your partner's chart, I'm sorry, because this podcast wasn't super helpful to you, but it's going to be helpful for when you are reading other people's charts. So it's something to keep in mind. Of course, you want to utilize this synastry method for every single planet. And unfortunately, I don't have time to go over all of them. Maybe I will in the future. Um, but Venus and Moon are two really important ones to consider. If you you know, want to take this a step further, your Venus placement is going to be indicative of the types of relationships you seek. So if your Venus is in Aries, you're going to naturally be attracted to Aries people. So if you have Venus in Gemini, you may find that you're attracted to Gemini rising, others who have Venus in Gemini, moon in Gemini, sun in Gemini. So just keep an eye out for it. You know, you may find if you have Venus and Capricorn that people, Capricorn people are just kind of around. <laughs> they somehow make their way into your life. So that's something to look out for as well. And if your partner doesn't have any planets in that sign, so if you have Venus and Aries and your partner is not an Aries rising and they have no planets in Aries, remember, that's not the only thing that you're looking for. Utilize synastry, see what planets connect, really familiarize yourself with the qualities of the planets because this isn't a difficult method. If you know what the planets represent, you can get a really good idea of what they're going to bring into the relationship. And then, of course, even if the planets aren't overlapping one another in synastry, you still want to look at the houses. So, Let's say you're a Virgo rising and your partner is a Cancer rising. Turn your partner's chart to be a Virgo rising. 
on top of yours. So it's bringing all of their planets into your signs. And then see what houses they're in. Because the houses play a role as well. So if your partner has Venus and Libra and you are a Virgo rising, we're going to bring Venus into your second house of Libra. And so what does the second house represent? It represents assets. It represents money, um, early childhood life. It can represent food, drink. So when Venus comes into the second house, it may bring money. Your partner may be, bring money into your life. It's possible that your partner encourages you to try new food, really good food, really good drinks, okay? So it's going to bring a Venusian quality to your second house, which is generally positive, especially in the sign of Libra. And um, so that's another thing to consider is the houses. But what I want to talk about before finishing is each individual's capacity to be in relationship. We're going to come back to that. You want to take a look at the seventh house. You want to look at the seventh house of each individual's chart and assess how they are going to be in relationship. And then after looking at each individual's, you assess, is this a compatible way of approaching relationship? So if there's a connection to the first house, so let's say your seventh house ruler is in the first house or the first house ruler is in the seventh. This can be really powerful for having an understanding relationship of being empathetic, of wanting to really attune to your partner. But it can also show an element of codependency. So maybe this person's journey is to learn how to have your own identity while still maintaining this powerful relationship. And so you look at the seventh house, you see what planet rules that house and then where it goes. If there's a connection to the fourth house, if your seventh house ruler is in the fourth house or vice versa, it can show a lot of happiness through relationship, a well-educated partner. Depending on the planet's support, it may be less happy. So you want to see the ruler of the seventh house and what planets it's sitting with, what sign it's in. Is the planet debilitated or exalted? Keeping in mind, there are always debilitations. There's ways of seeing if it can be canceled out. Sometimes your seventh house ruler may be debilitated, but then you want to see if there's a cancellation. So never jump to an assumption. If you see something in the chart that's disturbing, I recommend seeking an astrologer to help advise you <laughs> before deciding that you're doomed. Okay. If there's a connection to the fifth house, so if your seventh house ruler is in the fifth house, fifth house ruler in the seventh house, this can show a lot of romance, a lot of creativity in the relationship, having children. It can also show an overly idealistic way of viewing relationships. So you may think that things are supposed to be hunky-dory all the time, and as soon as they get difficult, you feel like you need to run away. So that's possible as well. There's always a dichotomy. You want to see the good and the bad. If there's a connection with the sixth house, sixth house ruler in the seventh, seventh house ruler in the sixth, this can show that your partner is service oriented. Maybe they work in a health field. They may be a social worker. It could also mean obstacles in relationship. The sixth house is obstacles. If you have a seventh house, seventh house connection, if your seventh house ruler is in the seventh house, this is very powerful for long lasting relationships. 
If you have the seventh house ruler with an eighth house ruler connection, so your seventh house ruler is in the eighth, eighth house ruler in the seventh, this can show sudden ups and downs in relationship because the eighth house is sudden ups and downs. If the planet is in good dignity, it can show someone who's willing to work through the ups and downs and then experience really deep personal transformation. If there's a seventh house, ninth house connection, it may be that you view this partner as part of your path. They help you learn in a spiritual way. Maybe you meet them while you're traveling. If the seventh house ruler is in the ninth or vice versa. If there's a 10th house connection, it may be that you work with your partner. It may be that you have a client-based job where you see clients regularly or you start a business with your partner. If there's an 11th house connection, it may mean that your friend, your partner is kind of like a friend because the 11th house is friendship, network circles, gains. So you may receive gains through your partner. If there's a 12th house connection, 7th house and 12th or vice versa, it can bring a lot of spirituality into the relationship. Maybe you're dating somebody foreign or very different than you in some way, but it is the 12th house. So it can also bring separation and loss of the partner. And so you want to see each individual's, you know, 7th house, where the ruler is, and if that seems compatible. Some optimistic planets like the moon and Venus are going to be a little bit overly idealistic, um, very optimistic at times, sometimes overly optimistic. Malefic planets may be very practical, um, critical. And so you want to see if there's going to be a balance, if there's going to be a clash. Okay. So I hope that this was helpful. I know it was a lot of information. Hopefully you learned something about astrology. Um, if you would like to schedule a reading with me or a compatibility reading with me, you can email me at astrologynowpodcast at gmail.com. You can visit my website, innerknowing.yoga, and please follow my Instagram, astrologynow underscore podcast. Again, my name is Christine Rodriguez. Thank you so much and happy Valentine's Day.